to start off my teaching, I want to share with you something that, about something that I highly respect with all my heart. I highly respect, and it's because of an experience I had when I was little, and it's going to be brought out to you now from the side. I respect this so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you respect extension cords? Okay. I have utmost respect for extension cords. Even now I'm a little nervous and it's not even plugged in. I'm like, yeah. I'll never forget for the rest of my life. I was like in sixth grade and my dad, my cubanito father, was like, um, look, tiene que cortar la hierba afuera. You have to cut the grass. And there was no gas lawnmower in my house. It was an electric lawnmower. So you already know the suffering of moving the thing around. And I had a small apple tree, a tree in the middle of the yard. So I used to play, try to whip the, the extension cord over the apple tree. But um, all I know that one day I was cutting the grass. And I noticed that there was a part of the extension cord that was missing the plastic like installation part and I saw the wires sticking out but you would have thought I would have said hey Carlos don't try to cut the grass uh, get another extension cord I was like I'll be fine I'll just avoid that part and I won't touch it but mind you in the middle of cutting the grass you get all caught up get distracted trying to dodge those pigeons that are trying to poop on you flying over you no no I'm joking I'm joking so you're like where do you live Carlos on Broad Street um so so all I know is that without noticing I put my hand, my complete hand, I'm not talking about un dedito, nothing like that, my whole hand grabbed the wires. And I started going like this, and I wasn't even in a club or nothing, putting my hand up. You know, it was like, it was like this, and I couldn't let go. Now, I think, I think out of everything, that was probably the thing that scared me the most. I was trying to let go, and I couldn't let go. And it was like, it probably lasted for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It seemed like an eternity, an eternity. I completely respect extension cords. Completely respect them. But this is the thing. Extension cords, they pretty much, obviously, they have power running through them. And many times we forget and that's why I respect them because now I'll never forget that there's power through the extension cords. And sometimes we might not realize that there's different types of extension cords. Some of you might not know that. There's indoor extension cords. There's outdoor extension cords. There are extension cords for different levels of voltage that you're handling. So if you're using the wrong extension cord for the wrong item, there could be a fire very easily. Some of you, I'm going to talk about this a little bit afterwards, too. This past week, we actually had a food truck in front of our church. I don't know if you noticed the food truck. This thing was about the width of our building. It was humongous. And they told us that at one point, they needed to plug into our electrical panel 
not just a socket or anything like that. They literally brought in wiring that was super thick. And you know, the material of the wiring was very different from this material. And they plugged in directly into the panel of the church. So that they would be able to sustain what they needed to do outside. That extension cord was able to handle much more power than this one can. God wants each of us to be an extension cord. We're in a series called Anointed, Walking in God's Power. God wants us to be an extension cord up for him. And some of us might wonder, how could we have more of God's power through us? The same way there's different extension cords, there's different levels, is because the material that makes up the extension cord is different. So for you to be able to handle God's power in your life, the material of who you are has to be different. And we're going to talk about that today. Because, you know, the enemy knows that when it comes to the material of who you are type of thing or what you do, it means everything to the level of God's presence in your life. Some of us might wonder, how do I increase God's power and presence in my life? You'll understand more through the teaching. And we're going to be able to see this. There's three major things I want you to see that the enemy tries his hardest to stop us from doing. Because he knows, and I mentioned this today, we had class, class 101. Today was the official first day of Disciples Path, our classes. I know some of us might have signed up and not attended. You could come next week. But something I mentioned is that of course, the enemy doesn't want us to know Jesus. But if you get to the point of knowing Jesus and giving him your heart, okay, the enemy's next goal is to make you powerless, make you useless. It's like, okay, you could say you live for Jesus all you want, but if you're not made out of the material that could handle God's power and you could walk in there and the anointing of God, really you're useless when it comes to the enemy. It's like, I'm not afraid of you, the enemy says. And these are the three major things the enemy would want to do. Number one, he wants you, for you to not know your identity, not knowing your identity. Your identity in Jesus will prevent you from having the material that you need to handle God's power. And the more you know of your identity in Jesus the more your extension cord upgrades. You know what I mean? The more you know who you are in your identity with Jesus, you go from just the indoor cord to the outdoor cord, and eventually you'll be the food truck cord. You know, from there you keep going other levels. You could handle more of God's power because you understand more who you are in him. Another thing that the enemy tries is not living in your purpose. That's one of their ma his major goals for you not to live in your purpose. The more you live in God's purpose, the more you live in his purpose, the more of his power and presence you're going to be able to walk in and experience. It's amazing how so many of us, we want God's presence, but we don't want to do what he wants us to do. 
God's presence is not there to just make you feel good. Obviously, it feels good to feel his presence, but that's not the purpose behind God's presence. The purpose of God's presence is to anoint you to do what he's called you to do. And when you start doing what he's called you to do, you start to experience more of his presence doing the work that he fashioned for you specifically to accomplish. And number three is not obeying God's word. The enemy knows if you don't obey God's word, you won't be the extension cord that can handle God's power. Because you need to obey God's word. You need to obey him, live in holiness, not in sin, obeying God, emptying yourself out from all the garbage. We talked a little bit about that last week. Everything in your life that doesn't belong so that when you empty yourself, then God could fill you and run through you his power. So for us, those are three major things. Not knowing your identity, not living in your purpose, and not obeying God's word will limit you or stop you from being able to walk in God's power and doing the things that God would want you to do. Now for you to even think, do you know who you are in Jesus? Do you know what purpose you have? And are you obeying God's word? We're going to turn to Luke chapter 4. If everyone could turn there because we're going to be there for a little bit. The greatest example that we have of seeing this is really Jesus' life. And here we're going to be able to see the Holy Spirit at work. We're going to be able to see him pretty much Jesus walking in power as well. We're going to be able to see what the enemy does too in, in trying to stop us from fulfilling what he wants us to fulfill. God wants us to fulfill. Starting at verse 1, if everyone could turn there, it says this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, I just want to say, keep in mind, they're entering, it said, full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to highlight another part later on. It says, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, think about that. It's like the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Some of us right now, we're in the middle of a wilderness, and we're asking God to take us out of it, and it could have been the Holy Spirit that led you into it. You know, we're asking God to take us out when the Holy Spirit led us in, and I really believe that we see this example clearly here so that we could understand how God works. Now, one of the things that we always say is, like, do you trust God? And do you trust God? Do you trust God? Okay, I just want to make sure. Nadie está durmiendo aquí. Si tú te duermes aquí, hay problema, okay? All right, do you trust God? Now, does God trust you? Because God is not going to pour his presence through your life if he doesn't trust you with it. In power, walking in power, in power on the daily, like that he has to trust you with it as well. 
So there's time periods you will be led to the wilderness. You, you'll go through things. And honestly, through it all, God is also seeing the material that you're made out of. Obviously, he knows. But in reality, it's for us to see it for ourselves. Because when we go through that wilderness, it's awareness time for us. We realize what we're really made out of. And are we made out of the material that God could really use and pour his presence through? So let's continue. Verse 2. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now imagine that. 40 days. And do you think the devil took a nap between those 40 days? You know, the devil nonstop for 40 days in a row tempting Jesus. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. First temptation, verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, of course, so many times we focus on, it's like, hey, Jesus used God's word, and of course he did, and he obeyed God's word, which you, you'll, you'll see he, he obeys God, God's word, but he uses it to, um, to speak to the enemy. And he says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But I want you to look at this. What is the devil really tempting Jesus with with that? Is it with the bread? Because he was that physically hungry with that statement? Or what, was it with Jesus' identity? Because the first thing the devil says, if you are the son of God. The devil knows very clear that that is the son of God. But he, he was wondering how oh, it's been 40 days or through the journey. You know, it's, it's like, is he questioning who he is? If you are the son of God. And I wonder how many times the enemy whispers to us, if you are a child of God. And how many of us believe more what the enemy says, what the world says about our identity than what God says. Moving on, verse 5, second temptation. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority. And it just boggles my mind. Like, here, here's the devil's trying to, Jesus has all authority. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's, it boggles my mind, like, how, how the enemy could even have thought that this was a possibility. But he says, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want if you worship me. It will all be yours. What was the enemy trying to do there? Really revolved around purpose. He was pretty much challenging Jesus' purpose. It's like pretty much just telling him, it's like, hey, I'll give you all the authority and splendor. You'll be in charge. That's the purpose of your life, let's say. You know, I'll give you, it has been given to me and I, I can give it to anyone that I want. But obviously, Jesus knew that his purpose was to die on the cross for our sins and to minister. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. He knew exactly why the Holy Spirit was upon his life. But yet, 
The enemy was trying to twist things and get him to focus on something else, to chase after different things that wasn't the purpose of Jesus. I wonder if the enemy twists things when it comes to your own life. I know he tries for every single one of us. Because when you don't walk in God's purpose and you chase after so many other things, it'll leave you empty. It'll leave you like desiring more and not fulfilled. And you would know maybe you have certain accomplishments in the world. Certificates, degrees, or whatever you might be able to say you accomplished. But if it wasn't the purpose that God had for you, honestly, we failed. Because success is doing what Jesus wants us to do. That's it. It's not what the world says success is. The world says success is these things. No, no, no. Success is doing what Jesus tells you to do, no matter what it is. If Jesus tells you, hey, you're going to be a garbage man in the city of Lisbon for the rest of your life, serving the community and serving the neighborhood that you're able, that is success. Like some people might look at that as a low job. No, no, no. That is the highest job. If God's calling you to do it, whatever you're doing, if you know it's God's will for your life, you're going to do it to honor him. It's not the high titles. It's not the high positions. It's not the degrees the world highlights. It's really doing what Jesus has called you to do. Jesus answered in verse 8. He says, it is written, Worship, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So right there, he's obeying God's word. And really, that is the purpose for all of us as well, is to worship God and to serve him only. So notice, he was trying to steer him away from what his purpose was. But Jesus stopped it real quick. He's like, no, my purpose is to worship the Lord your God and to serve him only. No matter where I am, no matter what my job, I just want to be successful in doing and obeying what God tells me to do. Third temptation. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. And he starts off again. If you are the son of God, highlighting his identity, questioning his identity, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, obey God's word. No, it's, for it is written, written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, do not, put your, uh, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And obviously, he's using God's word and obeying God's word through it all. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left them until an opportune time. So right there, you realize it's like the enemy tries to look for the perfect time to challenge your identity, your purpose, and to keep you from obeying God's word. Now, we know that Jesus came in full of the Holy Spirit, went through the time period in the desert. In verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power. Notice the difference. He was full of the Spirit. Now he's stepping out in the power of the Spirit. 
and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in, this, in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the role of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now think about this. After everything that happened, after the enemy questioning his identity, questioning his purpose, trying to keep him from obeying God's word, and of course Jesus passed that time period with flying colors, stepping out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes to the synagogue, rolls up the scroll of Isaiah, and says this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Now look, look carefully. There's a purpose with the anointing. The anointing is not just given for no reason. There's a purpose behind it. To proclaim the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the uh, prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So right there, Jesus read his purpose statement, you could say. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Like to me, that entire scene is as if he just said his purpose and dropped the mic. He dropped the mic. That was like a bomb. He just dropped the mic, went there, and sat down. That's my purpose. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes of everyone in the sitting room was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. So with that, we need to really understand that this, the enemy, you know, you know how they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Like, I, I don't even want to call the enemy a dog because I love dogs. <laughs> I have three beautiful huskies at home. Uh, I love dogs, so he, I can't even give the enemy the dog uh, um, title there. But you can't teach the enemy new tricks in a sense. He's going to be doing the same type of things he's always done. And he doesn't want you to know your identity. He doesn't want you to know your purpose. And he doesn't want you to obey God's word. Because those three things create the material and the fabric for God's power to go through your life in power. And the more you know your identity, the more you know the, your purpose, and the more obedient you are to God's word, the more he could trust you to take you to a different level and change the extension cords of your life, you could say, and have more of God in your life. Do you want more of God in your life? There's a price to pay for that. You need to do your part to make sure that you're obeying him. Make sure you're understanding who you are in him. And make sure you're doing what he's called you to do. Not knowing your identity. Like I mentioned before how there was a food truck here um, in front of the church. Some of you might know, some of you might not. But on, in the Ritz Theater this past week, they were filming a movie. 
uh, some of us might have seen. And it's an HBO miniseries that they were, do, uh, they were filming. It was The Plot Against America. I think it was filmed in the 40s. Uh, it was it's a movie, like, staged in the 40s or 50s. And um, they actually came to our church, their entire crew. They wanted to use our building for a dinner. So I asked them, too, I was like, from what time to what time is the dinner so we could be ready for you guys? Okay, it could be any time from 3 p.m. to midnight. I'm like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> it's like 3 p.m., man, I'm going to stand here all day waiting for you guys. So, um, so all I know, they showed up for their lunch at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. was their lunch break. They came in, 250 actors came in pretty much. Uh, but not 250 actors. Um, a lot of actors, people behind the scenes doing stuff, the production crew, they came in in the front auditorium and also in the lobby to eat. And all the actors were dressed like the 1940s or 50s, all of them to the T. But something that surprised me was that they were all in character while they were here. I tried to talk to a couple of them, and I'm like, yo, this is 2019. <laughs> it's like, it's like you, you can, like, relax a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, it seemed like we stepped back into time. And it's crazy because there is actually a, um, a statement for this. It's method acting. For those of you that are actors, you know about this, is that you, go, you get so entrenched in your role that you really, it's not about acting anymore. You become that person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you really, like, you, there's no dividing. You really become that person. Like, for example, like an example I have is that Robert De Niro, in the movie Taxi Driver, he would go to New York City and he would do 12-hour shifts as a taxi driver. And he would do that for a long time period, for many weeks, to try to get into character and really become a taxi driver. But the reason why I'm saying this is because there's a lot of articles that people say the emotional dangers of method acting. That a lot of people that do this, they have a hard time separating who they really are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because you get entrenched so much in the character, it affects you. The Odyssey did an article, The Emotional Dangers of Method Acting. The New Yorker, is method acting destroying actors? Like, there's tons of stuff on it. And the thing is, is this, is that if you don't know who you are and you keep taking different characters or becoming different people, you'll be emotionally, psychologically, mentally affected by it. So if you don't know who you are in Jesus, or half of you starts to live for Jesus, and the other half of you lives for Satan, you know, you're living two different identities, and you're going to be struggling emotionally, mentally, psychologically, because you haven't picked a side on who you're going to serve. And God wants you to become all in him, your identity in him. Your journey with Jesus is not about just giving your heart to him. What? No, let me take this back. It's not about just accepting him into your life and you accommodating him in what's convenient for you. 
It's about giving him your heart and letting him be Lord of your heart over every single area, but not only your heart, but giving him your mind so that your identity could become his. Like, that, so you could understand who you are in him. In, for, in James chapter 1, verse 23 to 24, it says this. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, okay, you're listening to what I'm saying right now. And if you choose not to obey, okay, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You're looking at the mirror and you think you know who you are, okay? You see yourself you walk away and forget what you look like, okay? So here in this verse, it says, if you listen to the word and don't obey it. Right now, you're like listening to the word, and it's like looking into a mirror, and you see your identity of what you're supposed to look like in Jesus. But if you walk away and you don't obey what God wants you to obey, you forget what you look like in Jesus, and you step there, and do you think you're going to feel like the identity that Jesus says you are when you go through your day on Monday at work, Tuesday? I don't care how many pumpkin spice coffees you've drank. You're still not going to feel like Jesus or, or know your identity like Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things during the week, it's like with everyone bombarding you, the news, the media, social media, um, Everyone at work, everyone in society telling you who you are. In the end of the day, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks who you are. It just matters what God says you are. That's it. Number two, not living in your purpose. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I know right now you're, you're, you're saying that it's like, you know what, Carlos, I don't know what God wants me to do. I can tell you this, God wants you to obey him. God wants you to follow him. I tell you a very great place to start. Love God, make disciples, and change the world. The great place to start. You know, and you know what it is too, is that many of us we want to see the big picture of God's plan for our lives, but we're not able to handle God's big picture. We really, we're not. If we see God's big picture, we'll probably walk away and tell him that we're, we don't want to follow him. We want to treat God when it comes to his purposes in our life, almost like an elevator. We, we, we're able to step in and go to any floor we want to go to. But God says, it's like, no, you got to go through the stairs. You got to get your steps up on your Apple Watch or your Fitbit. Take the steps, okay? And when you take the steps, it's one step at a time going up. And this is the thing. We need to respect the process. There's a process that God wants to bring you through, okay? We don't want to go through a process. We want the instant stuff. Let me, remember I told you I respect extension cords. You know something else I respect? I respect steps, I, let me tell you, even when I'm up here, I glance down sometimes, like, Yo, don't, don't get too close. No me quiero caer. So I, I just, I respect steps. I remember clear as day, probably about like a year ago, I had dress socks on. And I'm coming down from the second floor of my house and I have wooden stairs with no, nothing on them. So I thought everything was cool, you know. 
until I found myself flying through the air, gliding like Matrix. And, uh, and it felt like Matrix because I was able to think during that time. I was like, I am falling right now. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like slow motion. It's like, I'm falling. It's like, how could you think that? Like, you know, you're like stuck in, in midair and you're thinking that you're falling. And you can't do nothing about it. It's like, yeah, se fatidio todo. You know what I mean? Like, you, you just know that you're flying down. And, and, and it was, why was it? Because I was in a hurry. I wanted to speed things up. I didn't want to go through the process. One step at a time. Where do, where do you start with your purpose? Do what's in front of you right now. How many times have we said, yo, these are, are like 24, 30 ministries. This is this. This is that. Do something. Whatever is in front of you, do it. Do it for God and give it your best. You know, another big thing is trial and error. You don't know your purpose? Try different things until you find something like, hey, remember, God's anointing goes hand in hand with your purpose. So if you're doing something and you don't feel God pouring his presence over your life, over that thing, and you don't see God equipping you in that, you know, that'd be like, you know what? Let me, let me try something else. Because when you're doing what God's called you to do, God will pour his presence and help you do it. Okay? Another thing I already mentioned is to do something. If you don't know your purpose, I give you really good advice here. Is the answer is not just not to do anything. Okay? Get involved. Get involved in the ministry. Start serving. Do something. Remember, not living in your purpose is limiting and stopping you from experiencing God's presence. Number three, not obeying God's word. Now, I'm talking about God's written word, an audible word, when God speaks to you personally in your heart. And I have to say, in Christianity, there's a lot of people that come up with excuses on why they allow certain things to be in their life. And they know it's garbage. They know it's sinful. It, they know that it's destroying them. But they come up with a thousand excuses on how come it's okay for them. Okay? That doesn't cut it. Excuses are just your way to convince yourself that it's okay when it's not. And God's word is God's word, and you have to obey it. Okay. Another thing, we think that God's word is customizable. You might know what God wants you to do. Be like, well, this is how this works for me. It might be different for you, but for me, it's different. I'm sorry. God's word is God's word for all of us. It's one of those one size fits all type of thing. It's like all of us need to apply God's word. It's not you just go be there, no, that's not my size. That's not for me, this or that. No, no, no. God's word is for all of us. Another thing is comparisons. I don't care if your friend, obviously I do care, but I don't care if your friend is not living for God the way, like, you know, you might say it's like, I know I have these things in my life, but look at them. It's like, I, that's a pagan and a heathen, like that sinful person. Like, you know what I mean? We fall into a comparison trap that we believe we're okay or good enough because we compare ourselves to other people. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm not as bad as them. 
at least I read my Bible once in a while. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you might compare yourself. No, 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 no. God looks at your walk with him, and he constantly wants to bring you to the next level. So to obey him. And another one is being selective. You can't be selective on what you want to do or how you want to follow God. God wants you to go all in. And remember how I told you before, how I told you before too, that these are things that are keeping you from being able to experience what God has for you. In John chapter 14, verse 21, it says this, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones that love me. If I would have asked you right now, do you love God? Yeah! You know, like, you know, all the tears, everyone's excited. Yes, we love God. But Jesus made something very clear. Those who accept my commands and obeys them, okay, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and I love this part, and reveal myself to each of them. When you obey God and you put him first, he, Jesus begins to reveal himself more and more to you. Now, obviously, for each of them, it requires work. With identity, for us to know who we are, we need to read God's word. We need to know, even evaluate the things that we believe that people have said about us that's not true. Some of us, we're holding on to lies that have been said to us when we were in elementary school, middle school. When we were little kids, someone might have said something that you will never amount to anything. But yet, even today as an adult, you still believe it. That's not your identity. You know what I mean? Your identity is being a child of God. And with God being your king and Father God being your dad, let me tell you, the sky's the limit. And then with you, with that, God is there to heal you, to restore you, to build you up, to set you free, and to break every chain that you might have in your life. But obviously, to understand your identity, it's not just going to happen in a one session right here talking to you. To understand your identity is going to be you deciding to spend time on a daily basis to understand who you are with what God says through Scripture. And then also your purpose. It's not going to happen right here in just one moment. Your purpose has to be something you wrestle with on the daily, trying to define and find that niche and know where God wants you to be. But it's a journey and a process that you take with it. And obeying God's word, that happens every day, every second of our life. You have a decision to make to obey God or not to. But just know that those three make up the material for you to be able to walk in God's power. But we already know that the enemy, the enemy wants to do everything they can, he can to stop you. To stop you from experiencing God's power or to minimize God's, pretty much what God could do in your life. Now, mind you, of course, the enemy can't minimize God, but the enemy could lead you into making decisions if you choose to that will, you will cause the limitation of what God could do in your own life. So the choice is yours. Now, this is the thing. The enemy, 
if he starts making you think a certain way about your identity or think a certain way about your purpose or think a certain way about obeying God's word, little by little, those thoughts become strongholds in your life. Those thoughts become strongholds in your mind and heart. And you might be wondering, what is a stronghold? And it's going to be behind me right now. A stronghold is a place where a particular belief is strongly defended or upheld. The enemy has whispered so long telling you who you are through his eyes that you've believed it to be true and you actually defend it. That's a stronghold. The enemy has whispered for such a long time that you don't have any purpose or destiny in God. That your life can't amount to anything in God's eyes. Those whispers has been there for such a long time that you've believed it. And it's become a stronghold in your life. The enemy has whispered so much in your life. That's okay you don't obey God's word. It doesn't really affect you. Has there really been any consequences by you doing what you're doing? Has it really negatively impacted your life? Little by little you start believing that, hey, it's not a big deal that I allow sin in my life. It's, a, it's not a big deal that I entertain sin in my life. He's whispering it so much that you've repeated his own statements in your own mind and you've believed it to be true, but you don't realize that you're missing out in walking God's power and his presence, fulfilling your destiny in him, the reason why you were born and created. There's a statement that I put that I'm going to put behind you. It says this. There are certain Christians that the enemy isn't preoccupied in destroying. They're already doing a great job at it without his help. The enemy spent 40 days tempting Jesus. But I really believe that for many of us, the enemy might just pass by once in a while, just check up on things. All right, he still believes that. She still believes that. That's okay. That stronghold will keep them away from God. Yes, they say they love Jesus, but they're useless or worthless as long as they believe their identity, what I've told them that they are. They believe they're useless and worthless as long as they're not chasing after the purpose of God. They're useless and worthless as long as they're not obeying God's word. That's what the enemy says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, the not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I love that part. You capture those thoughts that don't align themselves under the waterfall of God's presence. You capture those thoughts and you teach them, no, you're going to obey Christ as well. Because you know those thoughts come from the enemy. You capture them and you line them up in the place where they need to be. If everyone could bow their heads. 
I'm going to ask the pastors to come forward and also any of the ILs or community group leaders that don't feel like they need this time of ministry. If, if God is doing something in your heart, you just stay put right there. But everyone else, you could come forward to help us pray. With every head bowed, you know where your walk is. And if you've believed in the lies of the enemy when it comes to your identity, when it comes to your purpose, or when it comes to obeying God's word, and you know that God's been doing something in your life lately, and God's been doing, bringing you to a new place, and you're not satisfied where you're at, and you know that, hey, you want to prepare your life to be able to handle more of God's power and presence in your life. I want you to come forward to get prayed for. But as you come forward, I want you to realize this. I want you, you're coming forward asking God to tear down every stronghold that you've believed. Everything that you've believed about who you are, that's not of him. You're asking God to tear down every chain of, of doubts that you could be used for God's glory. To tear down every chain. And also asking God to tear down everything that's not of him that's in your life. Every thought that you've believed in, it's okay to live the way that you're living when it's not of God. God is here to break every stronghold. God is here to break every chain. And I don't want you to worry about the person next to you. I don't want you to look at your spouse if they're going to get up or not. No, this is about you right now. This is about you deciding that following after God is the greatest decision you could ever do in your life. It's about you deciding. It's like you're tired of playing games. You don't want to play games anymore when it comes to God. You want to chase after God with everything that you have. It's about you deciding that life is pointless unless you allow God's presence to overwhelm you and to fill your life. It's for you to decide that you want to be anointed and to walk in God's power for every day of your life. If that's you and you know you cannot leave today without coming here to the altar, letting go of the chains and the thoughts that's held you back. You cannot leave here today with someone, without someone praying for you to break you free from the things that have been holding you back. I want you to come forward. It's the greatest decision you could make when you decide to surrender everything to Jesus and asking him to break every chain that the enemy has wrapped around your life for decades. Father God, even now we just raise our hands, God, in surrender. God, as we raise our hands, surrender, we just pray that every chain would fall down, Lord God, that doesn't belong in our lives, Lord God, that you would just break every chain off us, Lord God. And God, we pray that you would destroy every stronghold that's not of you, God. God, we give you our hearts, we give you our minds, we give you our lives. God, we want you to do whatever you want to do in our lives. Help us understand who we are in you, God. Help us 
be able to understand their purpose like never before. And God, help us, God, as we choose to obey your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. Give someone a hug. If you're here getting prayed for, you could stay here as long as you need. 2 p.m. is the parade. This Thursday, 7 p.m. baptism class. God bless you. Now